Chapter Sixteen of the Girl Scouts at Home. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Denise Nordell. The Girl Scouts at Home by Catherine Galt. Chapter Sixteen. Rosanna was gone. When or where or how, no one could tell. By eight o'clock on that dreadful morning the neighborhood had been scoured, the alleys searched, and the police were talking darkly of kidnappers and of dragging the river. Mrs. Horton knew that no one could have entered the house, but she was at a loss to see how Rosanna could have been taken out or have gone out without being seen, even if she had not gone before dark. The neighborhood was full of children, and no one, young or old, had seen Rosanna, who was well known by sight by everyone on the block. At quarter-past eight, to Mrs. Horton's surprise, Mrs. Hargrave walked in. It was evident by her distressed look and trembling hands that she had learned what had happened. "'Well, Virginia, you have done it this time,' she said. "'I have been telling you for the last forty years that your unholy pride would get you into trouble, and it has. If anything happens to hurt Rosanna, well, I just won't tell you what I think. I reckon you know without my saying it. Now begin at the beginning, and tell me in as few words as possible just what you did to her.' I don't want to know now what you thought she had done or what you thought about it yourself. I want to know what you did to Rosanna. Mrs. Hargrave seated herself on the edge of a chair as though she might fly off at any moment. She listened intently while Mrs. Horton, still thinking of the accusing eyes in the two pictures, told how she had punished Rosanna. When she had finished, Mrs. Hargrave spoke. I don't see how you will ever forgive yourself. I couldn't bear to have her grow up rough and coarse like so many of these modern children. I wanted to keep her away from all lowering influences. Fiddle-dee-dee, said Mrs. Hargrave, beating a tiny hand on the arm of her chair. Fiddle-dee-dee and fiddle-sticks with your lowering influences. What did you do but leave her to her own thoughts and no one to talk to but a stiff old woman and a house full of servants? Well, you have done it. What are you doing to find her? I have put it in the hands of the police, and they have an extra shift of detectives searching the city. Mrs. Horton trembled so she could scarcely speak. "'Detectives, yes,' said Mrs. Hargrave, walking around the alley, two and two, looking for all the little girls with long black curls. That's about all that will do for you. Have you called Minnie?' "'I don't know where she lives,' parried Mrs. Horton. "'Well, I do,' said Mrs. Hargrave. She hurried to the telephone, and after a moment returned. "'She will be right over,' she said. "'That does not seem necessary,' said Mrs. Horton. She dreaded to see Minnie. "'It does to me,' said Mrs. Hargrave. She softened a little. Now, my dear, she said, you are not able to carry this thing through alone. A frightful thing has happened, and it is likely that we may never see our little Rosanna again. She choked back the tears. Have you spoken to Mr. Culver? Who is he? asked Mrs. Horton. The name sounds familiar. It ought to, said Mrs. Hargrave. A splendid fellow, your chauffeur. I thought his name was Carver, said Mrs. Horton. You all write so badly. No, I have not seen him. He is the cause, or part of the cause, with this dreadful affair. "'Not so much as I am, if you are going to look at it like that,' said Mrs. Hargrave. "'Next to Rosanna, his daughter is the nicest little girl I ever saw. "'I am going to do something for her some day, and I will thank you, my dear, not to abuse her. "'Now I want you to send for John. I want to see him if you don't.' "'I think the police captain saw him,' said Mrs. Horton. "'Shall I ring that bell, or will you?' demanded her friend. Mrs. Horton rose. "'Send for the chauffeur,' she ordered the houseboy. "'I think they's gone, ma'am,' he said. "'Well, you run as fast as ever you can and tell them not to go,' said Mrs. Hargrave. "'Mrs. Horton wants to see both Mr. and Mrs. Culver.' The houseboy bolted. The Culvers came gravely in. Both looked pale and distressed. Mrs. Horton studied Mrs. Culver with surprise. 
well-dressed beautiful and refined she was not the woman mrs horton had expected to see mrs hargrave took charge good morning my dears she said there is just one thing for us all to do now and that is to put aside all personal feelings just as you would want your friends to do if something dreadful had happened to our dear helen and all work together to see if we cannot save our little rosanna from whatever fate has overtaken her i wonder if you have ever heard her say anything that would lead you to think that if she did leave this house of her own accord she would go to any one person only minnie said mrs culver in a voice as cultivated and low as mrs hargrave's own i have sent for minnie said mrs hargrave i talked to her over the telephone and she knows nothing at all about rosanna but she is coming over at once i want you to tell us mrs culver if you ever heard rosanna say anything that would lead you to think that she would run away mrs culver hesitated then with a flush said i think it is only my duty to say that rosanna was the loneliest child i have ever seen if she is found i hope that something can be done to place her among people who will give her not only care but love how dare you say i did not love her cried mrs horton i say it because i love rosanna said mrs culver and i cannot help thinking that if my child should be left motherless i would rather wish her dead than brought up as you are trying to bring her up mrs horton oh why why did you not let her have her friends if you object to us because we are simple people and poor why did you not see to it that she had friends in her own set as you call it and as for the friendship between my child and rosanna we had your own letter for our permission we certainly did said mrs hargrave i cannot talk about this now said mrs horton please leave me don't you go a step farther than your own house john said mrs hargrave briskly i am going to give orders for a while mrs horton as you see is overcome we need you take one of the cars and ride about and see what you can see john and you my dear stand ready to do anything that you can like the fine girl that you are she smiled and the two left the room tears streaming down the face of mrs culver as they went slowly through her garden minnie burst through the gate and rushed toward the house she did not even see them she hurried to the library and hesitating for a second to pull herself together knocked on the door and entered as mrs horton called come minnie bowed and mrs hargrave at once said minnie can you imagine where rosanna would go if she left home when she was as unhappy as she was last night only to my house said minnie if anybody abused her as i will say they did yet mentioning no names and if anybody made a prisoner of her and spent most of their time year in and year out making her unhappy and with you away mrs hargrave i know if my darling miss rosanna was let to go anywhere of her own free will she would come to her minnie who loves her that child needed to be cuddled and loved mrs hargrave ma'am and i was the only person about here who ever held her on a lap and i know she would start for me but you'll not find her one long while how she got out of the house i don't know but why she went i can pretty well guess and if what a gang of robbers should meet miss rosanna going along all alone and her so beautiful with her long curls and pretty dresses what would they do but pick her up right off and carry her away and hold her for some people who didn't appreciate her when they had her to pay them a fortune to get her back here minnie commenced to cry don't do that said mrs horton sharply i can't stand it minnie turned to her mrs horton now that the dear child is stolen and by this time probably murdered and buried and no one the wiser i think it is only right to tell you that it is all your own fault while i was working here and felt that i could do for miss rosanna i was careful to say nothing at all and it can never be laid on me that i said one word against you to your granddaughter no ma'am mrs horton i was true to the wages i earned i never said one word even to my young man about the way you froze all the happiness out of that dear departed child and what i could do i did I tucked her in 
at night and always kissed her and when i found out how she wanted to be held tight i held her and told her fairy stories and i found out all i could about her father and mother from the other servants and from cook who has been here for forty years or so and i told her all the funny things her father did when he was a little boy and she said it made her feel real acquainted with them and she heard or read about putting candles and flowers in front of the statues and paintings of the saints and she wanted to do it with her mother and father but she knew she would be told not so she used to put little bunches of flowers back of the pictures between them and the wall and mercy knows if they have stained the wallpaper and when they was faded i used to take them out and oh dear she was so sweet minnie choked mrs hargrave cried quite openly and mrs horton deadly pale and dry-eyed sat shaking like a leaf her eyes fixed on the painting of her son on the opposite wall and i think it was a shame and a sin and a crime said minnie hotly that nobody but me did these things for her mrs hargrave ma'am and now she's gone i'll say she's somewhere dead of a broken heart just because she wasn't let to have a single friend and that helen the nicest child i ever did see except for miss rosanna and what if she was poor and i don't know what good blood is if it don't show in nice manners and pretty speech and pleasant thoughts and helen culver had nothing else oh i just feel we will never see miss rosanna again and what did she wear off i don't know said mrs horton speaking for the first time you better find out said minnie tartly the detectives know said mrs horton oh mrs horton i sound hard on you but it's all true and i can't take it back and i'm not working here or i wouldn't have said it but i wish there was something i could do what can i do i'd like to pick up her room if i might please the detectives do not want it touched said mrs horton there is nothing you can do minnie wiping her eyes vanished in the direction of the kitchen to see the cook and mrs horton turned to mrs hargrave does it seem to you that these people have any right to attack me like this she asked with dry lips i was not hard with rosanna i loaded her with toys and pleasures and i think they are all very hard on me what do you think about yourself asked mrs hargrave gently did you ever hold her and laugh with her and tell her stories no it was not my way said mrs horton but it was the way of a child said mrs hargrave the way of a tender little motherless child i do not want to be hard on you but i have told you for forty years that your pride would be your undoing the telephone said mrs horton she rushed to the instrument and talked for a little with a member of the police force then she came dragging back to the library they have finished searching the hospitals and nowhere is there a child answering to the description of rosanna i was actually hoping to find her in one of the hospitals suddenly she buried her proud head in her hands and broke into hard sobs mrs hargrave went over and put an arm around the bowed shoulders presently mrs horton said if we only get her back i never meant to be hard but i did try so hard to bring her up so she would never have to live and die as unhappily as my little sister and i felt that if she could be made unbending and proud she would never choose unworthy friends but you were wrong my dear said mrs hargrave don't you see it now there is nothing to be gained in this life by remaining narrow we must know life and our fellow-men in order to be able to choose wisely and well how can we tell the worthy from the unworthy unless we have known enough of people to be able to recognize both the good and bad oh virginia i feel that rosanna will come back to you to us and we must remember that we are old women and she is a child and like calls to like we must remember that god expects us to love and guide her but she must have friends and outside interests oh if she only only comes back cried mrs horton End of chapter 16. Recording by Denise Nordell, Modesto, California.